Good evening, folks. This is your host, Terry Farley in Dallas, Texas. Now calling to each one of you from the eye of the storm. The eye is at the very center of a hurricane. Regardless of how powerful the hurricane, the eye at the center is calm. God's word leads us to the eye, for the Lord encourages each of us to be still and know that he is God. Psalm 46, verses 10 and 11. Psalm 46, verses 10 and 11. Thank you each and every one very much for joining me this evening. I really appreciate it. Welcome to all, especially to our new listeners. Greetings from the eye of the storm. Tonight we continue our heading for Calm Harbor, our port of call, centered at the very eye of the storm. The nation and the world halted momentarily this week to ponder the savage murder of a woman and her youngest son at the hands of her husband. His massive wealth, overshadowed by his fame as a leading attorney heading his own law office with a brace of barristers, dissolved before his eyes Thursday as he received four guilty charges for heinously executing first his youngest son and then his wife as she ran to kneel at her son's body. News commentator Sean Hannity, amongst the vast populations viewing the charges across the world, pondered the seeming imponderable, uh, asking, how could such evil be? It all began in the Garden of Eden, Sean, and will consummate in judgment at the great white throne. As the turmoils of the world continue to proliferate, even daily, converging uh, by the hour and sometimes minutes uh, on all levels, personal, local, national, and international, we continue to sift God's wisdom for daily strength and encouragement, being greatly comforted in knowing that God's word lives and abides forever. This study may be the first introduction for some that are listening, uh, whereas for many of us, it is one more daily blessing to forage into his word, replenishing our souls with his eternal truth and provision. This evening, we now open our Bibles uh, at Proverbs chapter 26. We invite all who have a Bible to join us there. Again, that's Proverbs 26, verses 1 through 3. As snow in summer and as rain in harvest, so honor is not seemly for a fool. As the bird by wandering, as the swallow by flying, so the curse causeless shall not come. A whip for the horse, a bridle for the ass and a rod for the fool's back. As snow in summer and as rain in harvest, so honor is not seemly for a fool, this first verse of the chapter declares, once again forcing the diligent to search the seeming contradiction. For we just read in our last chapter, like the cold of snow in time of harvest is a faithful messenger Uh, to those who send him. For he who refreshes the soul of his masters, the distinguisher is snow and harvest is good, welcomed by the laborers sweating in the dust and heat. While rain and harvest is bad, turning the ground to mud, 
intensifying the work. Specifically, then, to honor a fool is improper at the very least. Verse 2 encourages believers that curses without cause shall not happen, like flitting sparrows or flying swallows which never seem to land. Discipline drifts from verse 3 as we see the purpose of the whips for the obstinate horse, the bridle to keep the donkey under control, and the rod for the incalcitrant and defiant. Verses 4 and 5, answers not, Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest thou also be like unto him. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own conceit. Another couplet of verses seemingly at odds uh, with one another. Verse 4, recommending one not to answer a fool in kind according to his folly, that you not be like him. Verse 5 immediately seeming to contradict verse 4, advising to answer the fool exactly as his folly demands. At times it is better to distance oneself so as not to be thought apart, while conversely the call can be made to show the fool he is recognized for what he is. Verses 6 through 9. He that sends a message by the hand of a fool cuts off the feet and drinks damage. The legs of the lame are not equal, so is a parable in the mouth of fools. As he that binds a stone in a sling, so is he that gives honor to a fool. As a thorn goes up into the hand of a drunkard, so is a parable in the mouth of fools. Verse six, uh, verses 6 through 9 relate to the consideration of fools, of which at times the world seems to be immoderately overflowing. Verse 6 is self-explanatory, sending a message at the hand of a fool, likening the effort to cutting off the feet, presumably of the fool, thereby drinking one's self-damage. Truth demands like examples, even at the risk of offense. Verse 7 notes the legs of the lame are not equal as a parable in the mouth of a fool. Verse 8 is magnificent for clarity. One who binds a stone in a sling is he who gives honor to a fool. Can you imagine David going out to fight Goliath with a stone in his sling, tightly secured so that it will not leave the pouch? No said here. Verse 9 adds another descriptive example of a fool spouting proverbs, likening the action to a thorn going into the hand of a drunkard. The visual is priceless. Verses 10 through 12, the great God that formed all things both rewards the fool and rewards transgressors. As a dog returns to his vomit, so a fool returns to his folly. See thou a man wise in his own conceit? There is more hope of a fool than of him. These three verses form a triplet. Verse 10 declares God who is great, the distinction being made because there are vast numbers of false gods in this world. And so verse 10 begins the great God, distinctive in that he formed all, that is all, everything, revealing that he, God, even gives the fool his hire and the transgressor his wages. That may be where the saying comes from, you earned it. Verse 11 reveals the fool's reward. As a dog returns to his vomit, so a fool returns to his folly. Folly can be as nasty as dog vomit. Verse 12, then driving the point home, deeper, pointing to the man wise in his own conceit, 
having less hope than a fool returning to his vomit. The collection of verses 13 through 19 reflect admonitions to those prone to foolish thinking. We shall begin with verse 13 through 16 of chapter 26. Uh, the slothful man says there is a lion in the way, a lion is in the streets. As the door turns upon his hinges, so does a, sl a slothful man uh, upon his bed. The slothful hides his hand in his bosom. It grieves him to bring it again to his mouth. The sluggard is wiser in his own conceit than seven men that can render a reason. Verse 13, isolating the lazy man who fears meeting a lion in the way, mirrors the lazy man in chapter 22, verse uh, 13, who had feared even going outside due to reports of a lion in the streets. Now, the sluggard, having been given the all clear and now outside, meets the lion who has returned and is now in the sluggard's path. Life is always a challenge with a new battle every day. Verses 14 through 16 report more problems for the lazy, uh, identifying him likened unto a door turning on a hinge, mirroring the sloth turning on his bed. So lazy, he hides his hand in his bosom, grieved even to bring it to his mouth, wiser in his own conceit than seven men that can give a reason. He that passes by, verses 17 through 19, he that passes by and meddles with strife, belonging not to him, is like one that takes a dog by the ears. As a madman who casts firebrands, arrows, and death, so is the man that deceives his neighbor and says, Am I not in sport? Verses 17 through 19 reveal first the troublemakers, beginning with the passing busybodies, that involve themselves in trouble, which is none of their business, likening the action to the man that takes a dog by the ears. Sadly, some will remember President Johnson did this with the media present, and the verse came to the fore. Verses 18 and 19 reflect the madman who casts firebrands, arrows, and death, mirroring the man who deceives his neighbor, pleading that he was only kidding. Verses 20 through 28 are a list of related social indiscretions that do great harm when practiced. Let's take them one point at a time. Verses 20 and 21, where no wood is, there the fire goes out. So where there is no tail bearer, the strife ceases. As coals are to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. Verses 20 and 21 combine, first recognizing that where no wood is, the fire goes out, mirroring the advice to nix the tail-bearing, ceasing strife. Similarly followed in 21, conversely demonstrating that as coals are to burning coals and wood to fire, so are contentions to kindle strife. Here, let it be, seems to be the path to take. Verses 22 through 25, the words of a tail-bearer, are his wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. Burning lips and a wicked heart are like a potsherd covered with silver dross. He that hates and dissembles with his lips and lays up deceit within him. When he speaks fair, believe him not, for there are seven abominations in his heart. This passage continues the reveal of harm done by unconsidered conversation. The old child's song, Words will never hurt me, 
are proven false in these verses. Verse 22 declares, words of a talebearer are his wounds, even going down into the innermost parts of the belly. Verse 23 concurs, showing how burning lips and a wicked heart are likened unto a piece of broken pottery carrying silver dross. Verse 24 and 25 instruct the hate that haters uh, dissemble with their lips. They give false appearance even when they speak fear. Don't believe them. For he holds seven abominations in his heart, emphasizing there's far more to come. And now the final verses of chapter 26, uh, 26 through 28. Whose hatred is covered by deceit, his wickedness shall be showed before the whole congregation. Whoso digs a pit shall fall therein, and he that rolls a stone, it will return upon him. A lying tongue hates those that are affected by it, and a flattering mouth works ruin. God's comfort and judgment are revealed against the liars of the world in these final admonitions. In verse 26, their hatred covered by deceit, his wickedness shall be made public to the whole congregation. Whoever digs a pit, verse 27 makes plain, shall fall into it. And he who rolls a stone, it will only return back upon him. Our closing verse announces a lying tongue actually hates those who are wounded by it. And a flattering mouth works ruin. But we must remember God always gets the final word. Psalm 12, verse 3, the Lord shall cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaks proud things. That finishes our study this evening. Next week, the good Lord willing, we shall be embarking on Proverbs chapter 27. And now our Parsha. Parasha Hatsenu. Give ear, Deuteronomy 331 through 3252. In this evening's Parasha Hatsenu, give ear or listen up, Moses continues to give final instructions to the children of Israel as he prepares for his death. Fittingly, in chapter 32, Moses offers a remarkable song of praise to the Lord. Then, in verse 39, God testifies to his own reality, proclaiming, Now see that I, even I, am he, and there is no God beside me. I kill, and I make alive. I wound, and I heal. Nor is there any who can deliver from my hand. In perfect conjunction with the Parashah, the half Torah for this Shabbat is 2 Samuel 22, 1 through 51. This passage also is praise to the Lord, this praise from David. Beginning in verse 1, we read, Then David spoke to the Lord the words of this song on the day when the Lord had delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And he said, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, the God of my strength in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my Savior. You saved me from violence. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. In many Messianic congregations, the final, last week's Torah cycle, the Brit Hadashah, is not allotted a portion, as is normally common throughout the rest of the year. Again, Brit is the Hebrew word for covenant, Hadashah is the Hebrew word for new. So, with this week's Parashah being Ha'atzenu, 
give ear or listen up with the emphasis on God proclaiming himself to be God and that there is none else. And with the Haftorah, a Psalm of David from Second Samuel, in which David testifies that God is his savior, an appropriate and corresponding passage for this week's Torah cycle from the Brit Hadashah is found in the Gospel of John, chapter 8. Jesus is instructing the Jews when they call into question his truthfulness, for Jesus has said that Abraham rejoiced to see Jesus' day. The Jews then demand to know, since Jesus is not yet 50 years old, how he could possibly have seen Abraham. To which Jesus replies, most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Then they took up stones to throw at him. I am is declared in the Greek in the first person singular, The Jews are well aware that when Moses asked God on Mount Sinai, who he should say has sent him, God replies, tell them I am that I am has sent you. The statement in the original Hebrew would actually read, I am that I am to be has sent you. Because there is a future emphasis on the Hebrew, but when Jesus proclaims himself the great I am, his declaration is singular in the present tense speaking of existing and only used when the speaker is being emphatic. In other words, Jesus was saying, I am. Jesus was declaring himself to be fully God. He was saying there is none else. The same proclamation God made in Moses' song through the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, and the same God David proclaimed to be his Savior. Ha'atzenu, give ear, listen up. Shabbat Shalom. Some final thoughts returning to Hannity's piercing probe of man's soul, we must turn for the answer to Jeremiah's proclamation in Jeremiah 17, verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked who can know it. Jesus further said in Luke chapter 13, beginning in verse 1, uh, there, there were present at that season some that had told him uh, the Galatians whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Jesus answering said to them, suppose you that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they allowed such things? I tell you nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise be perished. Or those 18 upon whom the Tower of Siloam fell and slew them, think you that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you no, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Isaiah expands our guiltiness in chapter uh, 64, 6, declaring, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. Paul simplifies the guilt each one of us on planet Earth carries, stating, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The heinousness of this man's crime, killing in cold blood his wife and son, provides a temporary relief to multitudes who can refreshingly say, well, I never did that. True, we have not all sinned alike, but we all and each one of us have all sinned. And the only payment that God will accept for our sins, individually or collectively, is the blood of Jesus, our Savior. Paul teaches that the law is a school teacher that leads us to Jesus. We all need to repent of our sins. Jesus is returning at any moment on the day that must be called today to deliver his bride from this present evil age, Galatians 1.4. 
The man's son recorded his voice, father's voice, on Snapchat. Are you ready? Just moments before his father shot him and his mother. My son is fond of saying, Dad, everything is being recorded. Praise God, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus was recorded. With over 500 witnesses seeing him as an example after Jesus rose from the dead. And those 500 witnesses saw Jesus together. The Bible records they all saw Jesus at once, at one time. And Jesus is coming for his bride at any moment. If need be, and you need to, anyone that's listening, you still have time to pray to Jesus. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. It doesn't matter who you are. The only sin that is unforgivable is the sin of blasphemy. And blasphemy is simply knowing that Jesus is the truth and telling people he is not. And I'm saying that if you do it knowingly. Certainly that's what Satan did and what Satan does and what Satan is going to continue to do even on into the tribulation. Halfway through the tribulation, he's going to go to the temple in Jerusalem. It's going to be new. It's going to be built. And he's going to go there and he's going to get up and proclaim himself to be God. That's when Jesus warns those who are there at that time, don't look back. If you're up on the, on the rooftop, don't go back into the house to get something to take with you, wherever you are, when he does that. And the reason Jesus could say that then is because now we do have Snapchat. We've got all of these devices where we're all constantly in touch with the entire world. So he said, when you hear this, when you see it on the television, when it happens, he said, don't stop to look back. Go right now, and he will lead you out of Jerusalem into a place of safety. Because after that, Satan and, and the uh, Antichrist are going to start a war against the saints of God, those who do believe in Jesus, and against the Jews. But God is going to protect the Jews and that's another, that's a whole, <laughs> that's a whole nother sermon. It's a good ones too. But, but he's going to make a war against the saints, those who believe in Jesus at the same time. And the book of Revelation says he's going to prevail against them. So you can accept Jesus after the tribulation begins. But there's a good chance you're going to end up being martyred. Now that's a wonderful thing. There's a martyr's crown. And you'll be rewarded richly in heaven for it. Um, and it's only going to be a moment, so don't 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 have to trouble yourself over it. But it's going to happen. So if you don't know Jesus and you want to catch the ride off this earth, the greatest ride that's going to be ever experienced by anybody, when our bodies put on incorruption, our corruption puts on incorruption. I'm going to have hair and everything, new teeth. I don't know what our forms are going to take, 
Some have suggested something like Jesus in Revelation chapter 1 when he appears to John. You can go and read that chapter. Some say that we're going to be like him. But certainly John used those exact words in one of his epistles that we are actually going to be like him. And uh, that's powerful. I'll let you read it. And you, it's like, an, but this corruption is going to put on incorruption. And this, this mortal who gets old and dies, this mortal is going to put on immortality. And that's not immortality in hell because the people in hell are going to live forever in suffering circumstances. And that doesn't matter who you are or what sin you have committed or haven't committed. The Bible says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all need Jesus. And you can call on him, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. That's what you can pray. And you want to be sure. 1 John 5.13, these things, speaking of the Bible, these things John wrote, these things are written that you may know, present tense, that you have, present tense, eternal life even you who believe on his name, and that you will believe on his name. Authorized King James Version. That's as good as you can get it right there. Whosoever shall call on me shall be saved. Jesus' own words. Be very sure. Make certain that you know Jesus that you can go on the greatest ride off this earth. And if you're looking for more information on it, if you're looking for more comfort, for more strength, for more encouragement, the Bible nowhere tells you to anticipate the tribulation. Nowhere. It tells you that it's going to happen. It warns you about it. But it never, ever tells you to anticipate it. It says it's going to happen. It prophesies it. It's going to happen. The only thing, the only prophecy that tells you to anticipate is the rapture, our blessed hope, Titus 2.13. And if you're looking for uh, plenty of encouragement from the scriptures, not my word, but the word of God, you can continue that hope and encouragement and strength until he shouts. Just Google T.L. Farley Books, Tango Lima, T.L. Farley Books, F-A-R-L-E-Y. And then hopefully I'll see you in the air or, the Lord willing, I'll see you next uh, Sunday evening if, if he is willing. And until then, Maranatha. And that's the wrap for this evening, folks. May we all join together in prayer that each of us has a good night. And the Lord willing, until we meet next time, or until Jesus shouts and we meet in the air, or at supper, here's bidding you all, each and every one, the very best Jesus has to offer you. From the eye of the storm, this is your host, Terry Farley bidding you a good evening.